Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. It's week six. Wow. Feels weird just to say that. It is week six of the college football season. Maybe even seven if you count week zero. But yeah, we're deep in it. Ian Unsworth, John Eads, Wake Forest coming up on Saturday, 3.30 kickoff on ESPN2. Orange alum Beth Moens on the call as Syracuse looks to take down its first-ranked opponent since 2018. John, I got a feeling that this could be Syracuse's most important game of the season. What say you? I agree with you. A lot of people might say, well, entering the season, a lot of people might have said that Clemson was the big game of the year, and I would have disagreed with that as well because it's Clemson and it's a game that Syracuse is never really going to be favored in. But this is definitely a big game for Syracuse coming off that big loss, tough loss, I'll say, to Florida State in what I deemed a throwaway game. This is another opportunity to get yourself back on track, back on track towards a bowl game and trending in the upward uh, upward direction. And it's a game that I think Syracuse can definitely win. I do think Wake is the best team in the ACC this season with its combination of a good offense and a good defense, but a beatable team, especially in the Loud House. Yes, I'm with you because of that fact that there's no real dominant team in the ACC right now. Clemson is really struggling to find its footing with DJ at quarterback. I'm not, we don't have to go in the last name right now. Um, we'll say it enough next week. So you bide, bide your time, folks. Um, North Carolina is really looking unreliable without their weapons on the outside. And I mean, Sam Howell is not a great decision maker at the end of the day. So he's never going to be able to lead a team by himself. He needs a lot of help to do so. And UNC just doesn't have that defensive firepower or the weapons to really make Howell the elite quarterback that he was projected to be at the beginning of the season. So that's kind of how we roll to Wake Forest and NC State being the best teams in the Atlantic Coast. And Wake Forest right now 19th in the country, NC State 23rd. And for Wake, they beat Louisville last week in what was kind of a shootout, a 37-34 win on a last-second field goal. And it, the game just went back and forth. Louisville came out early having success with the run, uh, which I was a little surprised about given how good Wake Forest Dean line is and how experienced they are as well. But I think that's something Syracuse could look to replicate. And yes, the schemes went from Louisville to Syracuse are different, but they both have very good offensive lines. I'm with you on that. Wake Forest played Virginia the week before they played uh, Louisville, and Virginia couldn't get its run game going at all. And I'm not sure if that was a game plan thing or if it was just something that Wake Forest w- was shutting down UVA's run game. But Louisville's offense gives everybody some trouble, and that was the same for Wake Forest. Now, luckily for the Demon Deeks, they have one of the best offenses in the ACC and still put up 500 yards of total offense. And the thing that's really tough about them is they're very balanced. Got a nice passing game. Sam Hartman, the quarterback, got a trio of backs in the backfield and great weapons on the outside. It's really going to be a big test for Syracuse. I think you told me this off air. This is probably the best offense, the offense that can do everything, run the ball, pass the ball, that Syracuse has faced all season, and that includes Liberty. I would certainly say so. Liberty struggled in the passing game. It's very fair to say that Malik Willis is extremely talented, but his receivers weren't good enough to beat Syracuse's corners. Saturday, it could be a different story because Wake has plenty of talent, as you just detailed. And one more stat before we kind of get into it. Here's our fizz factoid for the week. 
Wake has put up, well, they're averaging 39 points and over 400 yards of offense in the last four meetings with Syracuse. And the offenses last year had just as much talent, but were not running as smoothly as the offenses this year. So Wake is certainly a juggernaut, I'd say, right now. They haven't played a a really tough team, I would say. I mean, Syracuse, if you're really evaluating things, hasn't either, but Wake's toughest game right now was that Louisville game, and that's really, I would say, apples to oranges when you compare it to Liberty with the implications and such, because Louisville's kind of looked at as a, eh, they're they're down right now, and they're they're going through some rough stretches. Yeah, that's my thing with Wake Forest coming into this game. They haven't really played anybody. You beat Florida State at home, you beat UVA on the road, you beat Louisville at home. Neither of those teams are projected to be top-tier teams in the conference. And on top of that, Virginia's not a crazy home crowd environment. This is going to be the first time that Wake's going on the road to an actual hostile environment. And the Dome is pretty unique in its own right. We heard uh, Liberty's head coach, Lou Freeze, kind of recapping how discombobulated his offense was after SU beat them. It's going to be tough. It was empty stadium last year. Wake Forest did come in and win, but it's the third straight year that the Demon Deeks are coming to the Dome, and I think that the, I think the 12th man is going to play a huge factor in this game because it's a ranked opponent. I don't think SU is going to get a ranked Clemson team next week, so that, like you said, this could be the biggest game of the year, and I think the fans and the crowd is going to show out for it. It's also family weekend, so that'll add some extra heads in the stands. Hugh Freeze said it, and Dave Clawson said it as well, that in 2019, the old Trill Williams scoop and score game, which is now etched in the Syracuse history books, they they did struggle with the crowd. Clawson called it a nightmare game. And, I mean, it was a very gr- good football game, all things considered. But it, I mean, it was definitely rough at times for Hartman, Sam Hartman, the quarterback, who had to come in and replace Jamie Newman. And they, they had a whole quarterback carousel. Getting into Hartman... This is his fourth year with the program. He's a redshirt sophomore. COVID has thrown eligibility out the window. But he started in 2018. Jamie Newman comes in in 2019, takes the starting job, gets injured against Syracuse. Hartman takes over and plays extremely well. And he takes the reins for 2020 after Newman transfers to Georgia, then opts out of the season. Uh, Needless to say, he's not doing much in the NFL world. And Hartman is now truly behind the reins for 2021. And he's thrown 11 touchdowns this year to just two interceptions. He's five touchdown passes away from tying his single season record. And we're only in game six. Yeah, he's really good. I've been following this guy since he was on QB1, that Netflix show. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, he's, he's a great guy. Great player, good off the field, good leader. And it certainly spills over to the football field. I think by the time he leaves Wake Forest, we could be talking about a guy that could play on Sundays. I would certainly think so. The thing that most impresses me about Hartman is his decision-making. His reads are really good. He does a great job of diagnosing things pre-snap. And you're never going to see too many pump fakes, too many times when he looks stressed or rushed in the pocket. He's very cool and calm, and that helps that he has a veteran offensive line in front of him. And he's got guys that he trusts he's been working with for a while on the outside. But just Hartman in himself is never going to do something and extend himself or, or try to run outside the pocket and create when he really he knows that's not his game. He's never going to get out of pocket, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Not out of the pocket in terms of scrambling, but out of pocket in terms of doing something he knows that he can't really do. 
he plays within the system and he doesn't try to extend plays. If it's not there, he'll throw it away. Yeah, like that, said, that's really a very good way to quantify what yeah. I was just trying yes. to say. Fewer words. Uh, and that's illustrated by the fact that he's only thrown two interceptions this season and he's a really efficient quarterback. What also helps is that he has a very good run game to help open up the box and, and make safeties creep down and really just force a defense into conflict. That also helps him. They, they run that mesh play. It's a, the slowest read option, zone read, whatever you want to call it, you'll, you've ever seen. Christian Beal Smith or Justice Ellison, whoever is in the backfield at that moment, both those guys are probably going to get double-digit carries on Saturday and expect to see a bit of the Michigan transfer Christian Turner as well. I'd say Ellison has kind of usurped him as back number two in that rotation, but they run that slow, slow mesh play where the running back will take the handoff and just sort of shuffle behind his offensive line, sort of diagnosing, evaluating what's going on, and then finally hitting a hole. And Josh Black talked about it this week. He says the defense has to be really patient because if you push up the field, if you go all out and abandon your gaps, running back can hit a hole four seconds into the play, and he's got nothing but green grass behind him. So it's a very different style of offense, or at least zone read offense that Wake presents. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And every time I've seen Wake Forest play, it's it's the same. It's, it's a nonchalant. Hartman's going to hold on to the football. He's going to keep it in that mesh point, like you were saying, with the running back. And they're just going to kind of just sit there and wait for a hole to open up. They're going to give it a couple of seconds, wait for the offensive line to get their block. So if you're Syracuse, if you're Tony White, I mean, I, I, know, I know Josh Black wants to be patient, but I think instead of that, you send six and seven guys and force them to make a decision quicker than he wants to. Don't let him sit there and look for a hole. I think you got to get pressure immediately. And luckily for Syracuse, the defensive line and the linebackers, the front six, I think we're calling it now, has taken a big step this season, and that should play a big role in perhaps mitigating this Wake Forest rushing attack. I would think so. I would hope so. But then you also get to the guys on the outside. And Wake Forest last year had the combination of Donovan Green and Jakari Roberson, two all-ACC, well, projected all-ACC guys this season. Green is, unfortunately for Dave Clawson's crew, out for the year with a season-ending injury. They said he sustained it running routes. It's probably something of the lower body variety, but we don't really know much besides that. So, Roberson's picking up the slack, as well as his other guys. A.T. Perry, who's six foot five and a real threat in the red zone, and then Taylor Marin, who had a career day last weekend against Louisville with six catches for 122 yards and a touchdown. He's really good. Uh, he's like Hunter Renfro for me. That That's the player comp. Just a sm small guy in the slot. I don't think Syracuse has really played a guy like him yet this season. So it's like 2-2 Atwell from last year. Just a lot slower and a little bit bigger. <laughs> Moran also returns punt returns, so we'll we'll be seeing a lot of him. But Roberson on the outside, I think, is, is culprit number one you have to shut down. Mm -hmm. He was excellent against Syracuse last year. He had an 80-yard touchdown catch where he was just left wide open. And Amon, I mean, Amon Greenwood was playing, so you kind of have to, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt. But it, Roberson ran amok last year in the Syracuse secondary. And I think things are tighter this year. And no matter which side of the field you put Roberson on, he's going to get challenged. There, There's no weak point in Syracuse's secondary this year because of opt-outs or injuries. Williams and Chestnut are going to, going to challenge these receivers. But I think Wake having that experience especially on Deuce's side of things, 
they're going to look to take advantage of his aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. We've seen Deuce get beat a couple times this year, but we've also seen Deuce flash. Think about think about the interception he had last game, and then the season opener, of course. He's looked good, so I think if you're going to test anybody, it's Deuce, whether that be with Roberson, Perry, or Morin. Here's the thing with Syracuse's defense. This is why the Orange are number one in the ACC in passing defense. They allow the most completions, 72%, most in the ACC, but they don't give up the big play. They keep everything in front of them. They play things top down, and that's why the Orange have been so successful in forcing teams to go on these long possessions and really beat them, especially in the red zone. I think that's going to be apparent again on Saturday. I think Tony White's game plan is just going to be, hey, we're going to play off coverage. We're not going to get beat deep, keep everything in front of us, force them to those third down situations, and Syracuse has been very good in those third down situations. So I think that's the game plan. you got to avoid those defensive lapses, and every time you can, take advantage of mistakes. I will say, to, to qualify that, I don't think Syracuse has really played a downfield threat, a real NFL-caliber receiver yet this season, and you're getting one in Roberson. He's going to be playing on Sundays sometime in the near future. And Wake Forest has really been an offensive juggernaut, as we detailed, averaging over 30 points a game. So I think when it comes down to it, for Syracuse, the game plan has to be hold the ball run the ball with Tucker and Schrader, as we saw them do effectively last week. But against Florida State, it was kind of like, all right, we're going to throw everything out there and see what works. You found what did, if you're Sterling Gilbert. You found what didn't, that's for sure, especially through the first quarter and a half of the football game. It's time to now adjust. And without Taj Harris, there's a lot of adjusting that has to be had. And somebody asked Dino Babers at his press conference if his offense would be okay without Taj. And, of course, he's going to give a positive answer because that's just what he does. But it's true. SU did put up 30 points against Florida State without Taj Harris and was able to find ways to get the passing game going and the ground the ground game as well. Now, a lot of those running plays, especially Garrett Strader's, were broken plays. And I, you, you bet you're not going to get those against Wake Forest. They're too disciplined of a defense and too disciplined of a team to allow that to happen, but you found you found some things, like you said, that you can build off of and implement this week, and I think the biggest keys to the game are just going to play within your system. Don't try to do something that you know you can't do, like throwing the ball into triple coverage deep with a corner and two safeties over top. Just go with the short passing game, go with the running game, take advantage of good field position, and my thing is take points when they are given to you. There's no need to go for every single fourth and short opportunity when you can take field goals to stay in the game. Especially not at home, right? right? With that crowd advantage, don't need to feel like there's a monkey on your back. One thing about the Wake Forest defense, there's nobody really that's going to pop out at you like Boogie Basham did last year, but their D-line's very good. They have multiple guys with with multiple sacks, I should say. They do have secondary injury issues. That's one thing that's plagued Wake Forest, especially on the defensive side over the past couple of years. Guys picking up knocks, season-ending or otherwise— this year, Nasir Greer is struggling with muscle pulled muscle issues. He strained something against UVA, and Dave Clawson said he's not ready to go for this week. So they're going to do some shuffling in the secondary, and they've got depth. That's one thing that make, makes Wake Forest different this year from last, but they're going to be starting redshirt freshmen along the back line at secondary. So that is something to note when it comes to the passing game, which hopefully Syracuse can really get going with those rollouts that I really liked last week. Yeah, I saw it on Twitter a couple of times. People were just pleading and, I guess, dumbfounded as to why 
Schrader wasn't rolling out on some plays. He's a mobile quarterback. He's not a guy that's going to sit in the pocket like Tommy DeVito was trying to do earlier this season. He's a guy that has to get out of the pocket. That's where he's most dangerous. I hope that Gilbert and Baber saw that on film and will start to use a little bit more of that this weekend because you're definitely going to need it. You're going to have to get outside that box to avoid the tremendous Wake Forest D-line and linebackers that sit inside. Like you said, test that untested secondary. So we'll see what Syracuse can do against the Wake defense. John, it's about that time. It is about that time. How we do last week? Uh, whew, how did we do last week? So we both picked Syracuse to win. Yep. So we're obviously not getting anything there. Um, and I do believe... I think we both picked the same things. We both picked the same yeah, things. The do we, we both took the over? Yeah. Okay, so, so yeah. we both got a point for the over. So we are still deadlocked 5-5. Five to five. <laughs> Maybe this is the week. Maybe this is the week. Wake is a six-point favorite, and the over is 58 and a half. I'm taking Syracuse to cover the plus six, but I'm taking the under. Taking the under. Do you have a score prediction? Yeah, 27-23. All right. Um, I have Wake winning 31-17, to which would take the under by a half point. I mean, I'm sure the line's probably going to end up shifting. So game day and right now, we're recording this on Friday morning. This might look a little different, but right now I have the under hitting by a half point, and I have Wake covering the minus six I just think that the offense is a bit too consistent for what Syracuse can do defensively and with those three guys up front yes I know there's more depth this year but once you start running the ball especially consistently I think Syracuse is going to start to tire because I just have that feeling the defense is going to be on the field a lot yeah that's fair and that's the key for Syracuse to win this game is to hold on to the football sustain some long drives and having a good running game and short passing game will do that for you because SU doesn't really rely on the big play this year which I think is good so if you can just hold on to the football convert on third downs get a little bit of a passing game going take the points when you're given to you I think you can stay in this thing well it'll certainly be exciting regardless of the outcome because it's family weekend it's a ranked opponent and Syracuse is bringing some juice back to the dome positive negative or otherwise there's a lot of energy around the Syracuse football program right now, and that's definitely good to see. For John Eads, I'm Ian Unsworth. Remember to check out all our coverage on orangefizz.net and at Twitter on orangefizz. Game picks off 3.30 Saturday on ESPN2. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, go Orange. <laughs>